This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Sometimes we must travel far away to see ourselves more accurately, to see what we have and what we lack. For me, I travel to Colombia, a place where I don't um, have family origins, but a place where I became enchanted with the people, the culture, the country, and particularly a scientific problem. It was a problem in which a very large family was getting Alzheimer's disease in their mid-40s at a young age. They were losing their memories, and it was very similar in some ways to a story that had already been told by Gabriel Garcia Marquez in his book, A Hundred Years of Solitude, about a little town in northern Colombia called Macondo. And here was another story happening in the mountains of Antioquia, Colombia, where people were losing their memory at a young age. In these families, consisting of sometimes 10 or 15 children, the disease would occur inexorably, generation after generation. They live in an area, as I mentioned, called Antioquia, that is one of the states in Colombia that extends up toward the Panamanian border, and its capital is Medellin, where some of the families live. This, um, this is a very large family. It consists of about 5,000 individuals. They don't even necessarily know that they're related to each other. Some of them are fifth, sixth cousins. But we know that they're all related because they all share a mutation that can only have arisen from one single individual many generations ago. And here you see their family trees, just a small portion. If I were to show you their entire family tree for all of these families, it would fill the walls of this entire room. After several years of studying this, this family, in collaboration with Allison Goat, we were able to determine the cause of their early onset Alzheimer's. They have a mutation in a gene called presenilin. A gene is made up of many letters called nucleotides, and they encode a protein. In this case, the protein is called presenilin. And they have one mistake in their gene presenilin that results in a change of an amino acid from a glutamic acid to an alanine at position 280 in this protein. And that mistake with which they're born with results 40, 45 years later in Alzheimer's disease. Now, when we go down there, um, I work very closely with Francisco Lopera, shown right here. He is a Colombian neurologist that discovered this family about five or six years before I uh, arrived there. And when I did arrive, we started a very close collaboration that has continued to this day for 30 years. And what we do whenever we get down there is we bring the families together. In this case, it's at a hospital in Medellin where the families are gathered. 
And we talk to them about the disease, we answer their questions, and we try to assess their needs. And you can see in the commentary right here that um, this is not a sophisticated medical system in Colombia. Patients with dementia often have to care for themselves on their own and their families. There are no nursing homes, there are no assisted living facilities where most of these patients come from. And as a result of that, what we see on the positive side is that we do not see the warehousing of elders. That children and grandparents are close, they're together for their entire lives, even until the time of death, which often happens in the home, rather than old age happening invisibly within a nursing home or someplace where we can't see what's going on. We also uh, travel to some of the regions where they live. In this case, it's to just to the very outskirts of Medellin, the barrios around the city. They are on these very steep hillsides, very similar to the favelas in Rio. And they live in these rather poor shanties um, that you see right here. Here's an example of one of them. Here is our nurse and psychologist walking down between two of the shanty houses. Her name is Lucia Madrigal, and she's a remarkable lady. If we have an individual and we don't know exactly who they are, what family they come from, she has the family trees of all 5,000 people in her head, and we ask her, and she knows exactly where they live and all their relatives. So here we are with Lucia going down into a little house that's over on the left and entering a room that you now see over on the right. In that picture, there is a girl there. She's 17 years old in this picture. She's taking care of her mother all by herself. Most of these families are very large, but not this one. In this case, the father is not around. And this girl has been taking care of her mother, who's now vegetative, for the last nine years. Sometimes we have to travel further because many of the families live out in the campo, out in the countryside around uh, uh, Medellin, as much as five or six hours away on winding roads through the mountains. Here's a town, a regional capital called Yarumal, where many of the families live. And uh, in this town, we once again bring the families together and the same thing, we talk to them about the disease, we answer their questions, we try to dispel some of their worries and superstitions. In this particular case, a gentleman there on the front row in the white shirt um, raised his hand and um, he asked a, a very uh, provocative question. He asked me, he said, Doctor, is it okay if we marry our cousins? And, of course, as a geneticist, I said, I don't think that's such a good idea. Um, but then he asked me a follow-up question that was very hard to answer. He said, well, doctor, we have no one else to marry. Many of the people there live in small villages. They grow up in the same village their entire life. They don't move anywhere. And 
the people they interrelate with are often in their extended family trees. Now, we do know that genetically, that's not a good idea because if your mother is carrying a mutation and your father is carrying a mutation and it comes together in the children, it can make the situation worse. However, in this mutation, this mutation is called a dominant mutation. And for this mutation, if one, only one parent has the disease, then the child has a 50% chance of getting this disease. It's a flip of the coin. It's the same likelihood as being a boy or a girl. Here's another individual. This is a grandma. She had 12 children. When she married her husband, she didn't know that he carried the gene. They got together out in the mountains. They got married. They had all these children. When he got into his 40s, he developed Alzheimer's disease. He died 10 years later. And now she's in her 70s, and she has grown children that she's taking care of with Alzheimer's disease. One of them is in this picture. And he is confined to bed. He's not able to talk. He lies in bed all the time, but sometimes... Uh, the people in the family pick him up, take him out, sit him in that chair, give him a harmonica, puts it in his mouth, and even though he can't talk, he plays a beautiful harmonica. Some of the families live very far away. One of the places where we have gathered a family is here in Sopetran. But this family that you see here doesn't live in Sopetran, they live in Moron, which is on the other side of that mountain, and they came to see us on horseback. Here's another um, family coming up where we have um, went to see a family out in another town called Betania, which is in the other direction from Medellin, about another six or seven hours. We went out there because a woman with Alzheimer's had died recently in her home, and as part of the social program that we have there, we, made, uh, we gave her, in her last couple years, a hospital bed. When she died... We went out in a pickup to get the bed and retrieve it and bring it back into Medellin. By the time we got back to Medellin, it was late at night. You're seeing that in the upper panels. And here we were, arriving at about 10 o'clock at night in a small barrio on the outskirts of Medellin called Manrique for the delivery of the bed. Now, in contrast to here, the delivery of the bed in this little barrio was a big event. You can see that there were many people standing outside. Everybody was interested in the delivery of the bed. In this country, we have privacy protections. We call it HIPAA. In this little barrio, everybody knows what everybody's doing. Everybody knew that there was a bed coming, that somebody had Alzheimer's. They knew the family. And the delivery of the bed that night was a big event. You see those people that have came, come into the room? None of them are relatives. They're all watching this delivery of the bed. In this, um, in this last trip, we went to a town called Angostura. This is a town where Francisco Lopera, my colleague, um, did not really want me to go for many years. It was a town that, where there was um, some danger. But I knew that this was a place where many of the families lived and had wanted to go there for a long time. And finally, several years ago, uh, we all agreed that we would take a trip there. And here we are driving out there and into the town. Here's Angostura. 
There's Lucia Madrigal drawing blood sample and uh, doing a neuropsychological test on the woman down in the bottom. The people here in Angostura have um, a kind of a, uh, he's almost a patron saint of theirs called Padre Marinito, who they practically worship. And I show this picture because as a physician in taking care of patients in this particular setting, one is always dealing with the local superstitions that are also present in the village. The presence of curanderos who are there with all of their ideas and uh, brujas, the witches, who have their own ideas about how this disease should be treated and who gets it and who doesn't. Some of these superstitions were very insidious. They thought that you might uh, get the disease by touching someone who has the disease. So you can imagine that people with the disease were somewhat stigmatized. They even called the disease bobiera, which means stupid disease. Sometimes they thought the disease came from touching a tree, but they didn't know what tree it was. Some people thought it came from a priest who gave an evil eye to others. So there were lots of superstitions and concepts that were just very wrong, and we felt it was our job to dispel some of these superstitions and tell them as much as we could about genetics and that whether or not you get the disease or not is just simply a matter of chance. More recently, after studying this disease for many years in relative obscurity, one day my phone rang and I got a call from a group that was doing clinical trials in this country, clinical trials for Alzheimer's disease. And they, they wanted to do a clinical trial on the population, the 5,000 people in Colombia. Why? Because in this country, if we try to treat people with Alzheimer's, we have to treat the disease after it strikes, which is often too late, because we don't know who's going to get it and who's not. But in here in Colombia, we know who's going to get it, because they carry a gene and we can test for that gene. We know when they're going to get it. They get it at about age 45, like clockwork. And here we are, calling the families together at the beginning of the clinical trial to tell them what our plans are, to tell them that there's the possibility that a drug that's now available, an antibody, may actually be helpful. And we can't promise them a cure, but we can give them hope that this drug trial may actually have some benefit. And that trial began two years ago. We don't know the result yet, but that, tri that trial is now one of the only trials around in which this disease is being treated early enough to make a difference. Because to be in this trial, patients don't have, um, have to sign up before they get any symptoms whatsoever. So we're treating the disease early, and for that reason, have a great deal more optimism that the trial could actually work. We'll know in another two and a half years. And here's the clinical course. People get Alzheimer's here in this population, as I said, like clockwork, at about age 49 is the average age, but they start to get a condition that's a precursor to Alzheimer's at around age 45. It's listed there on the top as MCI, which stands for mild cognitive impairment. They start to show some memory loss. 
That happens very, very clearly at age 45. And even earlier, they have some subjective concerns of memory loss and other symptoms. Some of the stigmata of Alzheimer's disease, such as the amyloid, is already beginning to collect in their brains. So what we did was we wanted to find out where this gene came from. How did his family get this condition in the first place? And what we did was we took DNA from about 70 or 80 individuals that all had the mutation, sequenced the DNA right through the site where the mutation is, and we align every one of those bars that you see up there, each one of those horizontal lines, is an individual's DNA sequence. And the mutation is lined up right there under that letter B. They all have the mutation, so they all have exactly the same nucleotide, that mistake, right there. It all lines up perfectly. But notice that a lot of other DNA around the mutation also lines up. How could it be that everybody with this mutation has a whole stretch of DNA that's exactly identical to each other? This is definitive proof that the origin of this mutation must have come from a single individual. Because only one individual could have given rise to exactly the same long stretch of DNA in which every single one of the letters is identical. Among us, there's much more difference in the DNA among, between each of us in this room. So we knew there was a founder effect here. That's called a founder effect, when the origin comes from a single individual. We also know that in Colombia, the people are called an admixture. The Spanish invaded around the time of Christopher Columbus and many years, a few decades thereafter. And they had offspring with the indigenous Amerindian people so that the current population of Colombia is made up of a maternal lineage that consists mainly of DNA that comes from Amerindian women and a paternal lineage that comes from the conquistadors that came over with Christopher Columbus and his and his subsequent conquistadors, all of them, that were all males that came to South America and Central America. So we see this admixture in the population. And when you have, uh, when, when you have offspring, the DNA gets mixed up. You see here, there's our chromosomes up there, and there's a thing called recombination. So you get a little chunk from your mother, and then you get a little chunk from your father, and then your mother, and it goes back and forth here so that the DNA along the chromosomes is a mixture from both parents. And we can ask the question, did the mutation come from an Amerindian woman or from one of the Spanish males? So we looked at the sequence around the mutation, and we did a thing that's called painting the chromosome, in which we look at all of the markers on the chromosome, in the DNA, that tend to be letters that are a little bit unique 
in people of Spanish origin and compared it to letters that tend to be a little bit unique in people that are of Amerindian origin. And it turns out that all of the markers, by markers I mean changes in the nucleotides, the DNA, around the mutation were all of Spanish origin. Clear evidence that the mutation came probably from one of the Spanish conquistadors. Maybe from one of these guys. We don't know, of course, who the individual is, but it's very likely that the individual came over sometime after 1500, and his offspring resulted in this entire population with Alzheimer's disease today. Now, how did this all arise um, after that first individual came? Well, the place where Columbus arrived and many of the ships that came after him was a region in northern Colombia and Panama called Darien Bay and Golfo de Urabá. This is a region of the world that even today is hardly passable. It's some of the thickest jungle in the world. The Pan American Highway ends long before you get here, and it doesn't pick up again until South America. This is really that isthmus around Panama and northern, the northern part of South America. This is where most of the Spanish landed. And remarkably, within 50 years, they traversed some of the densest jungle in the world, and within 50 years, they set up the first uh, town in this region of Antioquia. Right here, here it is. It's called Santa Fe de Antioquia, the first settlement in the region. And it's remarkable to think how rapidly this region, which is really, as I say, even today with a car, getting from one place to another is really difficult. And yet, through perhaps greed for gold and minerals or other motivations, the Spanish invaders were able to put together many settlements in this region. Now, we um, noticed something that was quite interesting. Well, almost everybody in the family gets the disease right around here, this is age along here, and they're getting it, as I mentioned, right around age 45 or 50. There were a few outliers. There were a few people that got it late. And we said, what is, why are they protected? They have the same mutation. Why are they getting it so late? What's different about them? So once again, we sequenced all their genes, and we tried to find some difference between them and the other people that got it at a normal age, around 45. And indeed, we found that there was one change, a genetic variant in the group that got it later that protected them for about 10 years. This is a, another gene. It's not the same presenilin gene. It's another gene that's a protective gene. It's a mutation, or I should say a genetic variant. It's a good one is one that can protect the people. And this variant is actually present in many people. It's present in about 25% of the people. And those that are lucky enough to have it 
will probably get the disease later than their other members of their family. So I think there's some implications here for even thinking about Alzheimer's in this country because there are many of these protective genes. Why is it even in this country that some people get Alzheimer's at a young age and an old age? Why some people get it in their 60s and 70s or 80s? What accounts for these individual differences? And genetics might be able to tell us that because there are vast differences in the population. And this idea that we're going to have a a treatment, a one-size-fits-all treatment, is probably not ever going to happen. A much better way to think about medicine is to personalize it so that we know what are the factors that each individual has that may protect them or accelerate their likelihood for disease. And by personalizing medicine, we can be so much more effective. And I'd like to tell you one thing about looking toward the future now, the future in this population. Because the family that I'm telling you about in Colombia is really just the tip of the iceberg. If you look here at this map of Antioquia, the red part is where the families with Alzheimer's disease live. But there are other colors on this map. And those are places where families live that have other dominant mutations leading to other neurological diseases. Large families that have relatively obscure diseases with names like catacele and some other diseases that also are very serious and are in these large families. Why is there this collection of individuals very localized, almost like a genetic disease map here, occurring in this state of Antioquia? It's probably not unique for Antioquia, but I think it happens because of a concept in genetics we call genetic drift. And what that means is, is that there's a kind of a bottleneck that occurs when a population arises from very few people, which is what happened. Remember the conquistadors went through the jungle and just a few guys came and started Santa Fe de Antioquia. And that gave rise to a large population. All of us carry some mistakes in our genome. And when a population grows rapidly from a small number of people, there's the likelihood for some of these dominant conditions now to show up. And I think that's what's happening here in these other places where we also see dominant neurological diseases. In a way, Colombia is like a living genetic laboratory. So I opened with Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And if that chapter on Macondo, the way it concludes is a gypsy arrives in the village and what he carries with him is una sustancia de color apacible. That means a substance of a gentle color. And when he gives that color, that gentle substance to the people, their memory problem is cured. And that's what we hope will happen here in Colombia as well. So I want to thank you all very much for coming. There are many people to thank here. Um, There should be a few more names showing up here, but I'll just tell you who they are on this slide. Mainly, Dr. Lopera, right here. Here are the children from all of the families, right here. Here is my laboratory here at UCSB, the people in my lab. And there is Dr. Lopera once again, who is really the heart and soul behind this entire project. Thank you all very much. Thank you.
You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.